0: This is City Post Church. We're about three things. Build, equip, and send. All under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A small church plant in Fort Worth, Texas. Who decided to do things a little differently. Adoramos a Jesucristo. I love City Post because of the people. It's where I belong. We truly preach the word. I love City Post because of the community we've been able to build. To do ministry like Jesus. For light to push back darkness. This is City Post Podcast. Okay, I can. All right. Hey, what's up, City Post Church? How are we doing this morning? Good. All right, two people are doing all right. Uh, some of you are like, who is this Mexican that we don't know? That's not... Ricky's not Mexican, but we've adopted him, so uh, I, I, I claim him as one of us, no offense, uh, Hey, if we have not had the chance, hey, real quick, could you help me thank the worship team? Oh, yeah. uh, man, they are phenomenal. I was, I was getting blessed. I was, I was just kind of grooving like this in the, on the side, and, and Liv was looking at me like, what is this dude doing? Uh, so where the groove is, the move is, and the move of the Spirit is here. And so, uh, man, we have just have been excited to, to worship uh, with you all this morning. If we have not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Izzy. Uh, I'm no one important, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, But I'm a church planter, pastor uh, in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Don't hold that against me. Some of you are Mavs fans, uh, Dr. Cortez in the building. Uh, Home of the five-time NBA champion, San Antonio Spurs. I'm just throwing that out there, just so you know. Uh, No shade to anybody here. Uh, But man, we are so excited. I am so excited. My wife and I are excited to be here with you. And you guys have shown incredible hospitality and kindness and, and, and graciousness toward me. Uh, And so, yeah, it is an honor to to be here with you. Again, I'm no one special. I told told Rick, it's not like I got materials to sell or anything. If I did VHS tapes in the back and some 8-tracks... Man, but it's like that's like the AM radio kind of pastor right there. That's me. Uh, so, but man, I am so excited uh, to be with you all this morning. Uh, we're, uh, I, I, so much of the being here is like being home. You know, it, it's a, a beautiful thing. We're church planters too, so we know the struggle of. You know, or just as we were starting a, a breaker trip and I was like, it's just like being home. Let me, where, 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 can I, where can I help and, and, and fix something? Uh, in fact, when I was in the parking lot uh, getting ready and I start, my phone started blowing up and it's my, my, our church back home saying, hey, what's the password to the computers? And I'm like, bro, I already gave that to you all like yeah. a year ago. And I mean, God has just been uh, incredible to us. And so we started our church planting journey about a year ago in downtown San Antonio. Uh, and you know we're still. I know y'all started in a school and did the setup, tear down life, and that's kind of where we're at right now, uh, and probably will be for a very long time. Uh, and God has just been gracious. And this morning I, I'm, I'm talking to you guys and in our and just this family on evangelism and the gospel because we've seen a huge need for it in our community downtown. We planted, we had a team of about 23 people. Uh, we moved downtown and moved into the area and God just started a work. And, and right now we're about 200 people strong uh, in the heart of downtown San Antonio. We've seen people come to know Jesus. In fact, this this year alone, there's already been about 15 people that, that have come to know Christ. Uh, and in in this season where we're at as a church, we've committed to praying and fasting for the month of February as, as we've uh, asked we're asking God to, have people come to know Jesus and, and folks in our church to share the gospel and what that means for our communities and our neighborhoods. And so this is a passion of mine. Uh, I, I will be honest, I'm not the best preacher in the world and I'm not even the greatest evangelist at all. I feel like that, those are some of my Least amount of gifting. I feel like what God has, has gifted me is in the area of care and uh, teaching, in some degree. But but I come to you this morning just as a practitioner of somebody that's like, hey, this is what is working for us. You know, we planted our church downtown. I asked uh, my the we planted together. There's a, myself and another pastor named Ryan and a team of folks that kind of split the teaching and are part of our core team and they said hey what what is the dna of our of our church what is what is it that that we do well and a guy the guy says uh we're decent at making disciples and we throw really good parties (laughs) and that has kind of been our strategy to reach downtown san antonio and and what we had was was people who came to know jesus who lived a life of sin but were like the party people and then they just came to know Jesus, and then they throw parties and invite everybody. And then the next thing you know, people are coming to know Jesus. And, and it's a beautiful thing where we have to understand that evangelism doesn't have to be a difficult thing. It could be just witnessing with your life and inviting people in. We, I, we say this all the time, but it's about inviting people into life before you invite them into church. But inviting people into our lives. And so I want to just get started Quickly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And this is going to kind of be a launching pad. This is one of the greatest treaties of the Gospels uh, in all of the New Testament. And so I'll read along with the screen. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the Gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2. By this Gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then, then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. There we go. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. A few months ago, I was in my discipleship group, and it's one of my favorite parts of the week. I meet with two other guys where we're uh, keeping each other accountable. We're walking through sin. We're confessing to one another. We're encouraging each other. We're asking each other, what are we doing to live out this mandate of the gospel what does this look like for our lives it's one of my favorite things I do I get to do every week we meet at a coffee shop sometimes we meet at a restaurant we met at IHOP the other day just because I don't know I'm, I feel like I'm 60 at this point and that's the place to meet uh, it's terrible everything there is terrible the service is terrible but uh, the, like they like there was one waiter there that was like for 56 people and and then they're like just so you know it's going to be like a 45 minute wait and we're like well we're just reading our bible anyway so <laughs> let's let's wait. Uh, but we were doing this. One of my favorite parts of the week, and as we were walking through these things, we were reading Acts together, and it, one of the questions about sharing the gospel came up, and then all of a sudden people got nervous. Like the guys in my discipleship group were like, oh, it's, it's, and, and, and it was like almost an immediate reaction when I asked, hey, what, what does it look like for you to share the gospel? What, is that, what does the gospel look like in your life? What does it mean to share that with people? And, and, and the questions kind of arose in, in that group. Like, do you feel weird when you share it? Like, is that like a, a strange thing? Or uh, statements like, I think I have an idea of what that looks like. I just don't know what to say. And the reality is that if I were to ask any of you, uh, just kind of blanket statement I'm like hey uh, could you share the gospel I mean some of you would just probably like start shaking in your boots like no please don't call on me please don't call on me like like I think I have an idea but man I, I, when you ask me I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw it up I, I don't know the words to say and I totally understand that man like, I grew up in a crazy Pentecostal church when I was in my younger days and like I like if you were to ask me that I'm just like I have no idea but I am about to start speaking in tongues or something I don't even know how to do that I'm just like I could I could do that before I could share the gospel like I I, I just don't know the words to say like it, it can be kind of odd and strange you like please don't ask me you're going to start playing, praying in the spirit like lord don't let him call on me don't worry i'm not going to do that i'm not going to call on anybody this morning but here's the reality of if the gospel is how people will know and experience love and freedom and this redemption and forgiveness of sin that christ offers surely our response to sharing the gospel should be better than what it is Right? like our, our, our response should be one of joy if we believe that, that this message has life and freedom and offers people hope. Then surely we should be better about desiring even to share it. Surely we should be eager, as First Peter would say, to be ready to give a defense, or a better way as the NLT puts it. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We should always be ready. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, we should be ready, and we should be willing. Now, if you're feeling shame, that's, that's, not, that's not the goal. That's, that's not what we're here to do. But sadly, I think we have this knee-jerk reaction to giving the message of life. The unfortunate reality we face is, is that it's not limited to you or just me, but a majority of those who would consider themselves evangelical christians and i hate how that term has been used and, and whatnot but but those of us that would consider us followers of christ like we we have this reaction to the great commission in fact some of us would wouldn't even know that language or how to even share it according to barner research group about only 17 percent of christians surveyed could tell you what the great commission is and how to explain it 17 percent of christians as a whole could couldn't, or the only ones that could actually tell you what the gospel is and how to share it. Even among people who would claim to be followers of Jesus have no idea how to share the gospel or no real grasp of what the gospel is. And maybe we have an actual narrow view of what the gospel is, and perhaps we might not know what it is to begin with. So this begs the question well, then, what is the gospel? And to that, I would respond, I'm glad you hypothetically asked, because no one actually asked it. (laughs) Uh, But what is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, and I I would love for you to, to when you get home, read this on your own, highlight it, circle it, do some podcast research on it. It's a beautiful example of of the gospel. And while this is one of the greatest pieces on, on the gospel in the New Testament, it is essential that we define our terms. Right. The gospel. We, we know this. And, and if I were to ask, like you're like, I, if you were to ask me like 15 years ago, what is gospel? I'm like music. Like it's a gospel music. It's the one that has a beat. It's not the Hillsong stuff that I'm just like, I don't know, that's kind of whack. They only got four chords and the beats the same. There's no groove to it. There's no sauce on that. Like I, I can't get into that. It, it, uh, if you were to ask me years ago what, what the gospel was, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. We hear the word gospel, and there's a few things that come to mind, right? It's like the music or, or this idea of like, oh, I, I, I know it's like the Romans road and, and things like that. We have these ideas of what the gospel is. And, and if you grow up in like Sunday school, you're like, I know what it is, good news. It's like, yes, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. That is good news. Uh, and then you're like, okay, but can you share that? Nah, man, I don't know, bro. I, God didn't call me to that right now. I just, I, I ain't prayed about it enough. <laughs> Some of y'all are super Christians. You're like, I got it down. What do you, what you want? You want it in tongues? You want it in Spanish? What? Do you, English? Like you are ready. But 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 if you, if your immediate response is good news, I would say you're on the right track. That we must understand, though, that the gospel, the word gospel, is not traditionally just a Christian term. It was a term used in kingdom language. The gospel, in fact, is a kingdom announcement. It's not just this thing that we throw around loosely. It is an announcement from a king or kingdom, something that a king decrees for people to know. It's precisely why when we see the word gospel in the New Testament, it is used to summarize all of Jesus' teaching and his new rule and reign as king. The gospel writer says that that he, meaning Jesus, went proclaiming good news of God's kingdom. But in the gospels, Jesus proclaims that he is not only the messenger delivering the good news, but he was indeed the king. And this is good news for all of us this morning. This good news of this king is to be declared. It's not something that we just sit on this information and keep it to ourselves. The announcement of a kingdom is meant to be declared to people. It's why in the Gospels, we have the heading, the Gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's an announcement of King Jesus according to the messenger delivering the news. Paul does this in the passage we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, where he begins by saying, I want to remind you of the good news that I received, and it is of first importance. It's, it's crucial that you know this. Every time Paul or the gospel writers mentions the phrase, according to the scriptures, it means that Jesus, whom they declare, is the promise and prophecy fulfilled in the flesh. The king has come, or as the theologian John Ortberg would say, the kingdom of God has now, through Jesus, become available to ordinary humans, that he has invited us into this relationship. The kingdom of God is available through Jesus, and it has significant ramifications for when it comes to our identity of who we are in Christ. Here's what I mean. That the gospel is the announcement of a king and his kingdom, then the gospel is a pronouncement of new identity for those who would call themselves believers. It's now this identity that we have as sons and daughters of said kings that that a scripture would say that we are co-heirs with Christ who have been adopted into this king's family. This king has welcomed us in as his children. And with the adoption comes a new way to live, according to Christ's new rule, which has tangible expressions for you and for me. That as sons of said king of the kingdom, that we cannot live just as ordinary people. Because of Jesus, Scripture says again that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we have been adopted into this family as sons and daughters of God, joining God in his rule and his reign. But there's a problem with modern kind of ideas of what the gospel is in our response. See, for, for much of evangelicalism throughout the years, what we have heard over and over is that, that your relationship with God, like the, this idea of the gospel, we've used language probably to our detriment of personal relationship with Jesus when it comes to accepting the gospel. Have you heard that? Like, oh, it's just a personal relationship. It's a, it's a personal. And so, so what we've done is we've mistaken personal relationship with private relationship. And so what we've done in that regard to the furthest degree is created Christ on our terms. Oh, my relationship with God, it's good. Like And you have no fruit to show of your life. Oh, it's my, my relationship with God, it's private. And so there's no discipleship or formation actually happening. We've confused personal with private. And some of this is not actually biblical at all. Some of this has actually proven to produce terrible theology, and it is completely inaccurate. While, yes, we have a personal relationship with God, meaning that we have direct access to him, what modern evangelicalism has taught us by saying this is that we have proven to be true in some spheres of progressive Christianity is that we get Jesus on our terms, and that is entirely false. I would say it's probably nothing more than a a Christianized version of Buddhism or something along those lines where, where this is what following Jesus is, and it's nothing like what Scripture actually calls believers to. And the issue isn't just with what some would define as progressive Christianity. This is true of a lot of us, that we have created this idea of Jesus on our own terms. So we, we take a little bit about what we like in the gospel and Jesus kind of doing these things. He helped the poor. He, he, he did all these good things. And I'm not saying it's bad. I, I, that is part of the gospel. It's part of how it changes our, our lives and how we ought to live. But it's more than just a set of do's and don'ts and beliefs. It is an invitation to a new way to live. But it's on Jesus's terms, not ours. Again, this is sometimes at odds with Christ's rule or reign, and we have ignored this idea of what it means to fall under the lordship of Jesus. We kind of just want to do our own thing. We like to throw Jesus' name on it. We sing some songs. We're good. I'm good. This doesn't really affect me at all. But here's the, the resolution that I suggest that the good news of Christ's kingdom is that it shatters the divide between the left and right, progressive, conservative, rich or poor and unites the body of believers under the banner of Jesus, where we proclaim together from every nation, tribe and tongue saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and forever and ever amen is revelation 7 says this is an identity as a king and under the ruling and reign of jesus see what we have done is that we've made the gospel pretty much just about us it just kind of wipes away my sin i don't feel guilty anymore i can kind of do what i want i can kind of live however i want but hey i'm good i raised my hand at a vbs when i was seven years old like i said it i said the prayer i repeated the pastor But here's what I want us to really take away. It's not fire insurance. Here's the the reality. that The gospel is less about what happens when you die and more what happens if you live. If you're following Jesus, it's less about what happens when I die, but more what happens if I continue to live. Or as one of my heroes in the faith, John Mark Comer, would say, it's less about getting into heaven and more about getting heaven into you. It's more about getting the presence and the kingdom of God into our lives. And here's the the beauty of joining Jesus in this gospel rule and reign, is that the the Holy Spirit has empowered every believer to be witnesses. Witnesses to the kingdom of Jesus that promises forgiveness of sin and the redemption of all things. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus extends an invitation to follow him and receive salvation, forgiveness, and again, a new way to live. I say the word invitation is because that's exactly what it is. Jesus invites us into new life. And as witnesses, we bear witness to this new life and call other people to join us in following after him. I would say it's an invitation because it's true, but it doesn't mean it's not costly, Everybody in the room probably, has, if you've been following Jesus for a while, has stories of what following Jesus has actually cost you. For some of you, you're like, "Did it cost me time? <laughs> like, I, like, I'm here all the time. I'm helping Ricky set everything up. I can't watch the Cowboys game because we run late sometimes. And there's a men's group and a Bible study, and they want me to do this. And, and praise God for that. Uh, but, but the reality is that like the following Jesus costs us something. For some of us, it's deep, deeper than that. That was just a joke. But, but like for some of us, it's cost us like relationships. Right? That maybe we used to roll with the group, and our, that's where, that was our, what our identity was in, and that, that group no longer accepts me because of what I believe. Maybe it's cost some of us uh, family. I I know that's true of of some family that that I have that that grew up in in a very religious environment. But once they went personal relationship or, or really came to know Jesus, it was, hey, you're pretty much on your own now, dog. That's that's on you. And for some of us, it doesn't mean just because it's an invitation that it doesn't cost us something. In fact, the gospel itself is very costly. It requires surrender. It requires a change of heart. It requires repentance. Or as Jesus would, would say in the gospel according to Mark, it requires us sometimes to repent and believe. It requires something of us. And we hear the word repent and we don't like it, right? You're like, oh, No. Uh-oh, he's going there. <laughs> so I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to go street preacher on anybody. I'm not going to hit anybody over the head with a Bible. Uh, maybe that, that's something that, that somebody would do. But, but some of us, when we hear the word repent, we have these images of street preachers that have, have just shouted at people nonstop. Right? Uh, and I'm, I'm saying, I, I get that, but repentance is, is biblical. That we need to, to come to terms with the reality that we need to change. We, we have so many ideas of or bad experiences with, with the word repentance. But Jesus tells us to repent and believe the gospel because his way is better. In fact, it is the only way to truly live. Jesus makes this bold statement and uh, declaration in John fourteen six, where he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and this is a very, very controversial topic in today's uh, generation and age. In fact, and I know uh, Eric was here. Uh, Eric Hernandez was here a couple a couple weeks ago. It was a couple weeks ago, something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long. I know I saw it on the Facebook or something. Uh, and and he's he he deals with apologetics and all that stuff, and it's great. But where I'm in in downtown San Antonio, nobody cares about truth claims. They're kind of like, hey, you believe that? That's good for you. That works for you. That doesn't work for me. Or they say, hey, uh, if you're saying Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to follow Father. Hey, I don't believe that. That's your truth. That's not my truth. And so uh, what we're declaring is at odds with the culture. And and we have to to realize that, that what we believe costs us something. That doesn't mean we back down from truth. In fact, we lean harder into it. Again, doing so with gentleness and respect. But we have to be ready. And I, and I love this, uh, is, is, is that we have to have a, a very biblical view of the gospel. It us, the gospel calls us to change, to live differently. And, and, and here's what the writers of Hebrews So we, we, we get to this idea of the gospel, and we think that everything's going to change right away. And what people don't tell you that it, it doesn't actually happen that way. There's this thing called sanctification uh, that takes some time. Sometimes it's the old Izzy wants to come out. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes just like uh, I remember reading on some, some, something on on Facebook the other day it's just like, "Hey, didn't you give your your life to Christ?" I said, yeah, but I'm from the south side of the kingdom. <laughs> sometimes sometimes that side wants to come out. And, and, uh, that, that thing's ready to throw down sometimes. But 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 we think that 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 the gospel is is this immediate change, and, and, and here's what what's true, is that sometimes it. Transformation takes time. What people don't often tell you is that, that it's a struggle. Following Jesus can be difficult. And here's why. Here's, here's what the writers of Hebrews will tell you that probably secularism, Satan in society uh, will tell you, and the church doesn't, is that sometimes for a little bit, sin is pleasurable for a season. Like you, you've been, been told so much. That it's just like, hey, it's, it's bad. And, and it is. It is. But, but what people don't tell you is that for a little bit, you're like, oh, this makes sense. It's why it's enticing. It's why I want to stay with this. Right. It's just like me. Like I've been trying to get healthy and I appreciate who the people that bring like all the fruit. Y'all bring fruit. Somebody. Somebody. Yes. Yeah. I love all the fruit. Here's I'm trying to get healthy. Me and my wife trying to get. She's healthy. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to get there. Here's the thing. If, if, if you put a, a stack of Whataburger right next to that fruit, I'm like, oh, oh man, that Whataburger looks good. But I know that, that I need to choose the, the healthier option. Here's the, the reality. Sometimes sin is, is, is that way. It looks really enticing and it's pleasurable for a moment is, is what Scripture says. But the season will run its course. It will catch up with you in the end and you'll find yourself going further than you ever thought you'd go and you'd end up in situations you'd never thought you'd end up in and all of a sudden you, you start to think about where you're at and you're less satisfied than when you begin this is the reality of when sin runs its course on our life i worked in college ministry for over a decade and i saw this play out all the time kids would come onto campus and be like i'm going to do me i'm going to do what i want I'm going to do, yeah, and, and uh, look, hey, I was there. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I got to the college campus. I'm like, I am free to do whatever I want and live however I want. And just a little bit of that will leave you wanting. And I found myself in a place where I didn't, thought, didn't think I'd end up being. And all of a sudden, we found no life in the things that we live for. The same was true of the prodigal son. The same was true of Adam and Eve. And the same is true of me. It is through Jesus, though, and his rule and reign in the gospel where we really find life. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I come so that you might have life in abundance. It is in this posture that we respond to the gospel and find forgiveness. We find life. We find redemption in the promise of eternal life. The beauty of the gospel is that for the believer, eternal life doesn't start the moment you die. It begins the moment that you receive the gospel. Right, that eternal life is something given to me now where I extend God's message and his rule and his reign. Paul, Romans, Paul in Romans says with great urgency that if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Like he, he communicates this message to share with people with urgency. And church, I am sorry, but we have lost the urgency of sharing the gospel with people. We're fine coming to our little service on Sunday mornings, maybe a little community group on Wednesday nights or something. And then the message never leaves the four walls, and our life is not reflective of a kingdom that we're actually living in. We're comfortable. We've turned the church into a country club, and we're we're cool with doing community service events every now and then, but, but there's no real fruit in our lives. We're sharing Jesus, and there's no urgency for people to come to know him. So when we talk about evangelism, we're like, Hey, man, uh, I'm just going to invite them to church. Ricky can share the gospel with them. He can, he, they, they, they'll, they'll like our lights. You know, they'll, they'll like our little setup. They'll like all these things. And meanwhile, people are like, I don't care about that. <laughs> like, You know, like I, I want the real thing. And we have to be willing and ready. Not only, again, will we receive salvation, reconciliation, forgiveness, but we are given a whole new way to live. If we believe that the Gospels are, in fact, the Gospel, as Wyatt Graham would say, then we would know that, de- that Jesus teaches us the way to truly live, a way a way where we find freedom, true joy, and love that can only be found in Christ. And the Gospel has a direct impact on what that looks like outside these four walls. That if the Gospel has captivated your heart, it needs to change something in our life. In fact, I remember... Uh, When I came to really know Jesus, my parents are incredible. They have, uh, I I talked about them a few weeks ago in church. They're members at our church uh, downtown, which if you're pastoring your parents, it's always a weird thing. You're like, I'm like, they've known me. (laughs) And they were praying for me when I was in college. Uh, They know all the mess and love us anyway. And uh, and I, I remember talking about my parents, and my parents did their best, absolute best, to raise me in the ways of the Lord. And, and for some of you in this room, you're praying for your children, and I would say, keep praying. You're praying for them to know Jesus or, or to come back to Christ. Keep praying. I was, I was one of those kids that when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to do me. I, and I had a praying mother and a praying father that, that prayed my way back into the kingdom. It's kind of how I would, I would say it. Uh, but I remember when I really came to know Jesus in college for myself. I'd lived a life, and I was kind of like, I want to do my own thing. And finally, I was kind of like, okay, this, I'm not happy. Like, there's no joy in my life. And I had surrounded myself with some friends uh, after some, some dumb decisions that I was just like, I need something different. And I found a BSM, actually. And uh, I was walking, on, I, I'll never forget this. I was, like, walking on, on to a psychology class in Manning Hall, and forgive my language, Rick. What I'm about to say, uh, but a, a guy asked me. He's like, "Hey, man, I want you to come to our, our BSM." And I go, "Hell no, I'm not going to your ministry." I was like, "I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that, man." I was, i very honest about, and I'm still, I still am. Sometimes too much. Uh, and I remember thinking, like, I'm not doing that. Like, I, I know what this is. This is a ministry. They're gonna, they're gonna try rope me in. And my mom probably called them. Like, uh, if you know Melva, she might have. Uh, that woman's feisty. Uh, that's where I get it from. And 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 I remember saying like, "Hey, I, I'm I'm not doing that." But then your boy got hungry. <laughs> not not spiritually. I was like physically hungry. They, I heard they had food there that they were doing free lunch, and I was like, "All right, well maybe I'll check that out." <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm not I'm not doing this Jesus thing though. And, and so I walk into the building, and the director at the time, Mike Cervantes, was just like. I thought you weren't showing up. And I was like, I like this guy. He just roasted me. <laughs> and I told him, I, you know, I got hungry. And, and all this time, I keep going back. There's people that I see. I'm invited to a Bible study of, of a men's group. And I, day two of being a part, like going to this ministry, I get invited to, to this men's group. I show up. I have no idea what to expect. Next thing I know, they're like, all right, let's do confession. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what did I just walk into? This guy's like, hey, I got to be honest. I just got high like two minutes ago. And I was like, I love his honesty. <laughs> and I was like, I can be here. <laughs> like, this is a place for me to fit in. And then all of a sudden I saw guys like, saying, hey, man, we're here to walk with you. Like, I know this has been a struggle in your life. And, and we, we, Jesus has better for you. And I just started to, to be grasped by these people who were living a different way. I saw the joy that they had. And, and I wasn't ready yet to follow Jesus, but I was like, man, they have something that I want. And I remember getting to a point where uh, I was really struggling and I posted something super emo on Facebook. Uh, this is back then when people like could just, you know, people still do it now, I guess, but it, Facebook really wasn't the thing. It was, it was MySpace. It was MySpace. I posted something. Some of y'all are like, man, I didn't know you were that old. Um, I posted something super emo in MySpace and, and uh, the director saw it. It was 1130 at night, and he's like, hey, man, I saw what you posted. And this is after me coming to this thing for about a few months and just kind of refusing what God was trying to do in my life. And I posted something super emo, like 1130 on a Thursday night, and he's like, hey, I saw what you posted. Is everything okay? And finally, after a few months of, of just being there, I said, no, man, it's not. And he said, hey, would you meet me at the Whataburger on 77? And I said, Absolutely. It's a Whataburger. Uh, and we sit down, and Mike starts to lay out the gospel for me. He said, and he's like, man, Jesus has better for you. Like, he has life. He's offering you that. And I said, man, I see Ivan. I see Ace. I see these guys, and they have the life that I want. They have joy. And he goes, you know what it is that they have? They have Jesus. And at that moment, I said, that's what I want. And I gave my life to Jesus in the middle of this Whataburger. Uh, in Kingsville, Texas, off Highway 77, I still pass by it sometimes when I'm going to South Padre, and I'm like, "Praise God for that." Uh, but I remember it, it immediately. My life changed, uh, and 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 some things were still a struggle, but I, the internal side, the nature of me, was just like, "I want everybody to know about this Jesus." And so I remember uh, as a, a brand new believer, like a week in, I, I got somebody gifted me this little New Testament. And it was, it was like, share, it's in the front of it says, sharing the gospel without fear. I think I was given to it from, the, somebody gave it to me from the BSM. I had no idea how to share the gospel. But I was like, I met with my director. I said, hey, what are the verses that you use to tell people about Jesus? And he was just like, Oh, we do this thing called the Romans Road. You should, you, and, and I was like, where are they? And I literally, I had no idea really what to do with it. Uh, I just started paper clipping those, those passages. And I was just like, I wrote them upside down so that I could just sh- do this of the Bible to some of my friends. And God used that. I had terrible gospel presentations. I was just like, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, People were like, all right. <laughs> like, uh, but I, but I remember getting this hunger to share Jesus, and in, in I was in the journalism department at the time, and nobody was Christian. They, called me, they ended up calling me the Tim Tebow of, of the journalism department. But it's because my life had changed so much. And all of a sudden, people were asking, hey, man, like, what is it that you found? Or, or they were like, hey, could you pray for me? And I remember getting this passion to share the gospel with people. And I got to see some of my closest friends come to know Jesus in that journalism department. Some of them are now in ministry and pastors. and It's kind of funny to see. But all that to say that, that we need to have this urgency to share the gospel. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once had the quote that says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. If we're not willing to share the gospel with people, then what are we actually inviting people into? If we're not willing to share the gospel with somebody, what we're inviting people into is just another gathering on a Sunday where we eat some good food, sing some, some good songs and some music, but our lives don't really look any different than the people outside of these four walls. And we need to have a hunger to share the gospel with people. And so if you're a believer in the room, this looks like inviting people into your everyday life and showing them what the power of Jesus actually has accomplished. Remember, if you're a believer in this room, that you're empowered by the Spirit to be a witness and to make disciples. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have anything like that. In fact, in the book Evangelism in the Early Church, Michael Green talks about the early church's evangelism methods by stating this must often have been not formal preaching, but informal chattering to friends, in chance acquaintances, in homes, in wine shops, on walks, and around market stalls. They went everywhere gossiping about the gospel. They did it naturally, enthusiastically, and with the conviction of those who are not paid to say that sort of thing. Consequently, consequently, they were taken serious, and the movement spread. They went about gossiping the gospel and inviting people into that life. And remember, again, remember to share your life, not just information. Rosaria Butterfield, in her book on hospitality, the gospel comes with a house key. She says this, that our post-Christian neighbors need to hear and see and taste and feel authentic Christianity, hospitality spreading from every Christian home that includes neighbors in prayer, food, friendship, child care. You might be uh, dog walking in the daily matters upon which friendships are built. You might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say you're the pastor. And, and again, the truth is that it hasn't always been me. You know, it's, it's until the gospel really got a hold of my life that this changed. So if you're a believer in the room, what does it look like to engage with the people around you? Not just to, to spit out information and th- throw them a Roman's road and be like, do you want to know Jesus? <laughs> uh, but really invite them into your life and see and taste the goodness of God. What does it look like to be the most caring person in your, in your workspace? to be the hardest worker to to demonstrate what God has done, to invite people into life and to be okay with questions. Faith can be a difficult thing, but God has equipped every single one of us who would claim to be followers of Jesus to step into those spaces and share the love of God. And if you're not a Christian in this room, uh, like, just forget everything I said. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, But what would it look like for you to take Jesus up on this invitation? In Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. To take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What would it look like for you to take Jesus up on his invitation? Would you take into consideration the reality of the gospel. Would you consider the gospel? That we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but even then that God loved us so much that He gave His life for us. That the scripture would say that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What would it look like for you to take Jesus up on this invitation? My prayer is that, that, that we would leave this room this morning, captivated by the gospel, that he died according to the scriptures, that he paid for our sins, and that he calls believers to share the message of transformation, the kingdom of a new way to live. Would you be encouraged in your efforts? Would you even right now, uh, some of you have a, a notepad, some of you have phones, what would it look like for you right now to ask God to reveal to you maybe two names of people that you're gonna to commit to pray for this week. That you're gonna say, hey, I know this person doesn't know Jesus. What would it look like for me to engage and to pray for them? And pray that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Would you do that? Just, just, just write down two names, people that come to mind. Maybe they're friends, family, coworkers. I'm going to devote the next week to pray for them. I'm not, and I'm going to ask God for opportunities to share the gospel. Not just invite them to church. Invite them to church. Yes, we would love that. I would love that. There's no better place, I think, in Fort Worth than if somebody get connected here at City Post. It's family. It's like Chili's or whatever. It's like when you hear your family. Uh, But what would it look like for you to share the gospel with them? What would it look like for you to commit to prayer? As a church, we've been doing a a, a month of of prayer and fasting every day, just begging God to save our friends and save our family, save our loved ones. And just a quick testimony, we had a, 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 a couple in our church that have been praying for friends. They wrote eight names down we have like this wheel and then we write eight names down we're like okay god give us insight give us wisdom discernment on how to share how to pray for uh maybe there's things that we can do to serve them you know if it's a neighbor okay hey we're going to invite them we're going to ask if, if uh, we can do child care for them so they can go on a date night we're going to pay for a date night i mean we're, we're trying to get creative with how we, how we do this and there's a family in our church a couple a young couple in their 30s that have been praying for their family uh, and Nikki and Renee are, are their names and so pray for them. Uh, they, they came up to me on, on Sunday and said, hey Izzy, I'm like what? They're like five of the people that we've been praying for are here this morning and I was like what? What? Like, they, it's just like they've never, they haven't been to church in years, all this kind of stuff. Like they come, our, our whole family comes from a Catholic background and, and they've not wanted anything to do with this and they're all here today. And by the end of that service, I, I, I was talking to our other pastor, Ryan, and he goes, hey, one of those people just gave their life to Jesus. And it was through faithful prayer and opportunity, God, them begging God, hey, would you save their soul? Give us insight, give us an ability, give us the words to say. And I would encourage you, what, is, what would it look like for you to take time this week to truly get before God and say, God, would you, would you work on their behalf? Would you allow so and so to to come to know you and really devote that time to prayer I want to pray for us God we thank you so much that you've invited us into new life that you have saved our souls that that you have given us uh, not just a, a personal relationship although we do have that but you've given us a family that we've been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High King. And as followers and as as children of God, you've entrusted us with a message to reach the world. We pray that starts in our neighborhoods. We pray that starts in our family. God, would you give us a burden, a burden for, for the lost? And would you give us the ability to share the love of Jesus and how good you are? God, would you work in our lives? Would you work in our heart? God, would, would you give us just the passion and the zeal to share who you are? God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. stand and sing.